0: Hello, Gunners, to a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mone, and as usual, Aiden.
1: Hi, guys. Nine straight wins now. It's a really good time to be a Goon, eh?
0: Yeah, that was a solid performance. I mean, a real demolition job we did on Fulham.
1: I think it was also a bit of a stroke of tactical genius with Emre all around, starting with the formation, the way he just targeted the the flanks of Fulham. Especially I think it was it was that a uh, guy who was always getting outnumbered on the wings and it kept on um, pushing and pushing on that side. It was no surprise that we actually broke through on that side with the first goal with Monreal with overlap and a nice cutback.
0: You know, I was actually surprised also that, that uh, you were mentioning now that that um the right back of Fulham also he was always being, like, you know, lured into midfield, like, you know, when we were, like, knocking the ball around, like, sort of Torreira and, and, and uh, Xhaka. And you could see he was almost, like, constantly pulling himself so far out. The minute we spread the ball out wide to Mondrian, whoever was out on the left, then you know, OK, that's going to be the pocket already that they're going to run into.
1: And there's something very new as, a, as an Arsenal fan to see because Finger would normally set up a team... This way for game A B C D E F the same thing, but if mm, 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 mm. they tried something completely different,
0: and you know, Aiden, also another thing um with regards to tactics and the, like sometimes um I don't know if you recall also Wenger with sometimes go almost like like for like, eh? Yes. Then you end up with mm. almost like uh, say three five two versus three five two. Then you have a, a midfield of ten players and nothing is happening, and you know you don't have that re- have creativity to get out of that that hole. But I mean, seeing our formation up against that 3-5-2, it just shows you how we dominated it. And by the time um, uh, uh, Djokovic, our Fulham, the manager, when he, by the time he realized, like, what's going on, I mean, when he switched formations, I think that last, I think it was the last quarter of the game or last half hour of the game, where he then decided to go 4-4-2. And I mean, even then it was too late, like, you know, to play now with a flat back four and that, and, we were still in you know, overrunning them, even with that, you know, that tactical change. So, I fully agree with you. That was a masterstroke by Emery with the tactics.
1: And I, I think Emery is, like, very proactive compared to how Wenger was reactive. Like, Emery changes things before they fall behind. <laughs> before it gets too bad. So, that's one thing I do like about him. And even the starting lineup, he started off with um, leaving the likes of Ramsey, out Baba Yung on the bench. I mean, no one would have expected that because that's like mm. the sentiment of the team. And in the start of the season, he did say he wanted to build his team around the two of them, but yet he was able to still bring them from the bench.
0: But I think like with Obama since he missed out on the midweek game like a week before. I think it was not more down to, you know, getting to grips with Stamina, because look, he had to miss a game with Illness. So I think that was more just focused on, you know, easy and back but yeah, that is, I think, what's so fantastic at the moment with the balance of the squad. Because, look, now you can now say, okay, a I woman, you can rest. You can, you know, somebody else is going to take your place in it. So you take your time, you get uh, right not whatever match fit, and then you back in the squad again. Whereas I think before, we'd either have somebody inexperienced or, you know, somebody that's really off form, just slotted in like it, and it, it's never really working. So it's almost like a machine, you can see it. You know, all the parts are now fitting perfectly. And it's like, they just know when exactly they're going to fall in, you know. And that's what I, I'm enjoying watching as well.
1: And, and like I said, for me, it's been impressive. I mean, this game as well. He led the line quite well. He was uh, potent
0: in the box for that goal. I mean, with, <laughs> with, with, with regards to the game, it was almost like, you know, that first 20 minutes we were somewhat, you know, shell-shocked the way yeah. they came out at us. Because, I mean, Leno had to pull off. Some brilliant yeah. saves. and I think it was almost like we were with that formation, that three-five-two. It was almost like you could see, our also like now weather the storm, because look, at where we were going to come in for battering in a way. But you could see then, um, look, we had um, Robbie Savage as our co-commentator, and he was saying the, the the way he judged the game was like, you know, we're gonna have to weather this storm or battering we're gonna get like from Route One and or things like that. But uh, as you can see, when the, we got to the like, 24th, 25th minute mark, that is when Arsenal started putting their foot on the ball and knocking it around, letting them, like Fulham's are chasing. And then, I mean, the breakthrough came on 29 minutes. Again, Gray, as you said, with Mondale, calming down, getting the ball to Lacazette and he, you know, for me, I thought he was actually going to go for the far corner, but yeah, and he hit it in at the near yeah. keepers near post.
1: I, I think it was a bit of toughness, though, for us, that the way we can't see the goal. With Montreal, needless, giving that ball away to Vieto. And then, from there, it was a straight play to Scherler to, to beat um, Leno. But the build-up, that, that was needless. I mean, you can't be giving yeah. goals away like that, especially if you're playing against a Fulham. I mean, you give that against Chelsea, whoever, they're going to punish you. And, I mean, yeah. so that, I think, was... And it was just before half time as well. I mean, he was supposed to be switched on. And
0: yeah, because when, when he, he got the ball, I mean, as you said now, for me it was really arrogant, like, you know, trying to play a cute little, you know, infield pass instead of just belting the ball upfield. Because, I mean, look, you're playing for time the last few min- like minutes of the game. So, I mean, why, you know, get so cocky? But, you know, that was almost like a, a wake-up call for him as well because, I mean, second half, he... You know, you could see what's in the zone. So, I mean, you didn't see really any slack passes by Montreal. So,
1: and, but like, what I found fantastic was coming back from the halftime break, what is it, not even three, four minutes into into the second half, and like I said, just restores the lead like that, 2-1. And I mean, before you thinking, oh, no, this going to be a frustrating game now. Why always <clears throat> the- but immediately, Arsenal just fought back, come back every probably gave them a, a stern team talk cuz the team came out 2-1 not even five minutes playing in the second half
0: but you know Aiden, that goal or oh, that second goal of, of luck is it you know that really reminded me of those you know that five or seven aside goals you know where the ball just gets uh, hoofed up yeah you know somebody hits the ball down and you just smash it goal with
1: yeah 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 but 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 uh, I think what followed after that with the substitutions of Emery, I think uh, we have a contender for goal of the season. That goal of that oh, yeah. made it 3 1.
0: That was like watching the Arsenal of O three O four. you know, pass, move, and then just bursting through uh, the field for space to get into space. Because, I mean, it was such a slick move. I mean, it starts with uh plays off to. Bellerin, and like does this audacious little back flick yeah. pass, and Ramsey gets it. <clears throat> Excuse me, a uh, passes out wide, and also a brilliant pass by Maketarian. Because I mean, for me, you know, everybody was now okay with a Ramsey goal and 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 that uh, Obama young assist, but for me, that that technique technique of of uh, Maketarian is like he killed that ball in air, brings it and it played it so like a perfect flat pass. For Obama Young. So it was almost like just, you know, just swing with your, your standing foot for Obama And he just like rolled it across for Rams to back you home.
1: I think at that point, Fulham's heads probably dropped. I mean, a goal of that quality and to make it 3 1. I think after that, Arsenal just exerted the dominance on the game. And I think it was you that mentioned that we almost like kind of shut up shop. Was it 4 1 or something like that? Like, we didn't still try to. Be too outrageous and out go we're just trying to pick them off then
0: because, uh, yeah, because uh, at the end, I think we were playing something like Xhaka, and then with with behind him was Guindos and Torera, so it's almost like good luck trying to get through that.
1: But it's, it's like, um, Torera's bringing out a better side of Xhaka. Eh? Like, I, I have no yeah. complaints about Xhaka at the moment, he's having a much better game or much better season. Compared to even how he was last
0: season, because just think of it also. Eh? Like look, you know, he's playing in the, the Mesut Ozil role, Jaka at times, and he actually looks more comfortable playing in that. Uh, you know, the final third, getting the you know threaded balls through and stuff like that. And then you get people like uh, Gündoğduzi and Torreira just cleaning up, winning the ball, simple play out, nothing flash, nothing fancy, just getting the ball forward to the players.
1: Yeah, and I think we've we've been missing. That for a long time and I don't know I don't know if you heard that <laughs> Arsenal, them or oh, Bamiang and Ramsey um made some record of the first place ever to come off the bench and assist each other other for goals.
0: Okay, that's a new stat for me, but good to know Aiden.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was quite interesting to to read something like that. And then Abameyang mm. also with two goals as well. I mean like I said and Abameyang both, I think, are, are thriving now, being on the same pitch with each other, even though, yes, like I said, got the goals without Abameyang on the field. But as like the two of them, like you mentioned a few uh, in our podcast previously of the relationship the two of them have. You reminded them you of um, Kevin Campbell and Ian Wright.
0: Because I mean, it was like real clinical finishes. I mean, the one was like a, a standard... You know, stop and turn, which also, again, flummoxed the keeper. And then, uh, like, the the last goal in injury time when Ramsey, with, like, a defence-splitting pass, played the ball through for Aubameyang to run through and bag the fifth, like, you know, for a solid goal and a solid three points for us. Uh,
1: yeah, and, and, and one thing I want to also mention is, like, the ballad, and it's like, I don't know, sometimes he was lead in on the right wing with his crosses sometimes. There's a massive improvement. Of yeah, he was
0: on, he was on point. He was on point whether that's aerial balls or that low flat ones. He was on point because, <coughs> excuse me, he was like all time getting you know the making uh or forcing the, the Fulham players into you know rash clearances, just belting it needlessly into the crowd or needlessly into for like for a corner. So that was yeah, I agree with you. That was solid display from Pelleton as well, even though he gets such a lot of criticism.
1: It just shows what he's capable of. I mean, I don't know if Wenger didn't like take him back to the drawing board and work on crosses, but I mean, it's like a lot of players seem to be thriving now compared to if you look at them last season. I mean, you would have expected us to need a whole overall of players, but it seems like everybody's coming into their own now.
0: I mean, to be honest, I, I was first worried about um, you know, I, I think, I don't know if it was you or was telling uh, Georgie and them, like our fellow Gunners as well, um, about, you know, like Iwobi signing on, Xhaka signing on. And it's like, you know, part of you is like going, ah, you know, is that a good idea? And now when you see, like, if you take someone like Iwobi, it look like you've got an improvement of 150% even from him. Like the work rate, the tackling you know, you know, making himself available, making, or setting things up for, for other uh, players and that. So uh, it's fantastic to actually watch this transformation in the, in the team as a and in general. And you know, somebody that that I also want to take my hat off to is Rob Holding because look, he's the one at the moment who's stable and the um, people like Mustafi and, and Socrates they are getting rotated. Yeah. So that I, I find it amazing, and I mean, if you think. If we can just hold on like this and, and and stay in touching distance now the top three and stuff like that, because he only comes back possibly late 2018 still. I mean, he could still make a comeback in December. I mean, they they, they say they might push it for January, but even so, so it just shows you what uh, what can happen. And I mean, if if we need to, what if even someone like Callum Chambers comes back if like an emergency, they can also fall in immediately. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> we can do like a kind of a Vincent company thing with Casillas because previously it seemed like he had to be rushed in and he had to play because there was no other alternative. He can be wrapped up in cotton wool and you can play him in this game and that game and like you can choose. You can choose the games you want to play him in. So I think also maybe he will thrive a bit with a proper defensive. Um, Positioning of of Torreira playing in front of the back four, I think that has made a, a massive difference, as I mentioned. So I think his game will even improve even more. You won't have to make as much rash tackle and diving in, rushing in for challenges anymore.
0: You know, and, and that is what also is, at times uh, does for us, to Me, when you see, um, excuse me, <coughs> things going so smoothly, like with. This new tactical setup, and then you think to yourself, you know, had Wenger, you know, put his ego aside and actually listen to what pundits were saying, what fans were saying. we would we never had a situation where we were, you know, we were always looking for that guy to help us in front of the defense or that guy to break things up in the central, in in, in the middle of the park. So that is what, in a way, sometimes frustrates me also when I think of the Wenger legacy because. It, it, Shouldn't have had to be like that or so bad, because look at now. I mean, you see this this type of wall that that Gwendozi or Torreira when they come in, and I mean, it's like you can see that is what we've been yearning for for years now, like for years.
1: Yeah, it didn't take a rocket scientist to to figure out what was missing at Arsenal, and I think we always used to mention, it's always like you sign one player and then we miss another player. And then we don't sign that player for a few seasons, and then one player leaves, and then we sign the player that we needed, and then we're missing the player that left again. So Wenger was always very reactive, but that uh-huh. makes it good that we we won all those winnable fixtures. Previously, we probably could have dropped the point here, and they might even got knocked out of a of a cup competition. But it seems like the winnable games, Arsenal are winning. And I feel the next four fixtures is what Leicester, Palace, Lisbon and Blackpool. I think that's before we head off or before Liverpool comes to the Emirates, I really think those games, are, we we should also come away with the three points.
0: And I mean, for me now, what we now also should take note of, you know, on the side, like uh, is after this uh, international break now, just to watch how Liverpool are going on, because... For me it looks like I mean, I don't know, maybe this thing gives them the sort of respite that they needed, but for me it's not like they were going off the boil last like say two and a half weeks or so. They don't look you know, as sharp. Maybe they, yeah, they get the results and that whenever they need to, but that that sharpness that that, that spark is like I don't know, they don't have it at the moment.
1: Yeah, they they added swagger <laughs> start of the season they played with this kind of swagger. And it's it's like without Salah, not clicking at 100%. Liverpool's attack seems a bit flat. Com- they, 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 they may be a bit more defensively stable, but their, def- their offense is not as fluid and as, as sharp as as it was at the start of the season and the back end of last season. So, they, you definitely get right there with Liverpool. And even, for me, with City as well, they don't... Yes, they punished Cardiff, but they don't seem also that convincing as
0: they were, were last season. Because didn't people say have now a whole rant the other day because of that game also? That they won? Because he actually, it was something he was not happy about with, with regards to how that game played out. I don't know if it was like the way they slacked off at the end or something like that. But I mean, he was, because I thought, oh, how can you now make such a big deal now? over You know, you got the points already, but look, he's... He his standards very high with his coaching, and that. so I think that is why he also gave the team stick.
1: I, I think as well. I think City is also missing Kevin De Bruyne as well. I, I, don't, I didn't actually realize what a massive miss he's been actually in the in the team, and it seems also maybe also that the teams are figuring him out. I mean, the Champions League games, City haven't been winning convincingly either. So I don't know. Maybe. Mm. Like you mentioned in a personal message to me that at Arsenal, maybe God City, now it could have been a different game than it was. The
0: yeah, because I'm just thinking with regards to also like, you know, with other teams, look, of course, let say, yeah, focus on your own team. Fine. But I was just, uh, look, for us, our situation is we need to get in the top four. And, you know, whether we get in there by hook or crook, we're going to have to see that we get in there like also looking at, at Tottenham, they now also getting injured. I think the Tonglins are out till end of the year with a, a missing problem. And there's question marks of on of Delhi Ali because uh, they fire they're noticing that they also pushing him to find and I mean Harry Kane is not really at a thorough break. And if he breaks down as well, they, they could have problems and then uh, that uh what's it guy? Song or son, sorry. He's also not had a break. He's gone straight from the World Cup, played a couple of games in the Premier League, played in the Asia Games, and then back into the you know the, the, well, the Premier League again. So you, that sort of workload that they like, even Spurs are putting on their players. And if you look at their bench normally on a match day, they don't have that many big names like that can come up and save the day. So if things go wrong there, I think it could. You know things can uh, go wrong for Spurs also over the course of the season.
1: The, the bench kind of reminds me of Arsenal uh, a few seasons or oh, like a few years back actually. When you look at the bench and you think, if this starting eleven on the field doesn't win the game for us, there isn't a way for us to win the game then. Like there's nobody on the bench to yeah. change the thing. So <laughs> it's, it's it's actually a good thing to actually see that that's happening to our rivals now and not us.
0: Yeah. So, okay, we're going to stop now with the match review. So, I'm just going to bring up some pointers that I now jotted down. Just like little discussion points for the last little bit of the podcast. Um, you know, I don't know if you saw, there was an article of Jürgen Klopp the other day where he stated that the Europe Nations League is like a flop. because, And, you know, I didn't take note of it much because I don't know with international football at times and this is a major tournament, I don't really... You know, watch these games. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and then he, the minute he said that, and I started looking at the groups and, and, you know, the way the tournament is run. And I was thinking to myself, then you know, why not, like, if, if I was uh, FIFA, why not still keep your, like, you know, friendlies and with a world, like, whatever qualifiers come around, European qualifiers or World Cup, you let know, that happen in that group stuff. But in that in between stuff, that, that uh, international breaks, we don't have any. Competitive uh, things. Then you you let the, the the big nations play in the normal friendly, but you let the smaller nations then play in those nations thing. So then eventually, like maybe the group winners, like of, of say four of the groups or whatever, then you let them go through to because uh, look, the European Championships are going to be expanded, and I think with time the World Cup will also be expanded to like you know Latin minnows and whatever. But yeah. nothing rather do that then you can. You can like little Gibral- Gibraltar, Malta, San Marino playing at this mess, Europe Nations
1: League. Yeah, that <laughs> that sounds a bit interesting because for, for, for me, when I'm not even interested in this Nations League. <laughs> I'm not even interested in this Nations League. So, I, for, as a football fan, I'm not. Uh, yeah, they should. They should look for something a bit more lucrative and interesting to watch, or to, to bring in for the for the fans to watching this time. And I mean, I think also that it, it players need a break as well. So by having the friends, the people aren't really forced to like select the yeah. players to come and play.
0: I mean, I just want to give you an example now. Wales played the other night in Spain, which was like should have been like a, a major draw card for. Like I said, the Welsh fans, whatever. Gareth, the minute they found out, I think two days before, three days before, Gareth Bale is not going to make the game. You know how many people decided now not to either buy tickets or to go to the game? Because that stadium is like where they were going to play at, uh, the the Wales, uh, the national stadium. It's a two-tier stadium. It's like, you know, it's a big ground. Can you believe they only managed to fall just barely the bottom, the top, all top, Tier was empty, and I mean that is now just that's all now just because sound like Bale because look they were now thinking okay this is gonna be now uh, something major or whatever because look he's like their golden boy and yeah with him not being there it's almost like it took away that, that 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 gloss you know what could have been something big now a big fixture
1: that basically just defeats the whole purpose of everything I mean okay, all that Millennium Stadium.
0: And also, I mean, uh, by the way, I think I'm still shocked that I was going to discuss it with you the other day, like via private text. Uh, that of it? I don't know what, is there something between Deschamps and him that, you know, a riff or whatever? Because when I looked at the squad when it came out, and even though that squad that played now against Iceland the other day, he's not even in, not even on the bench or anything, or not even called up as a standby or anything for, that, for the French team.
1: Yeah, something
0: to going- of course it's it's to our benefit now because look, we get another best of like I said, you know, if he's fresh and whatever and, and deadly as well because look, he's still, out. You know, he, I think he also wants to not show the show. You know, look what you're missing out on.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe like I think he's better than the, some of the strikers that's in the French squad, no doubt. And I mm-hmm. think I actually wanted to bring to your attention. I don't know. If the rumours are oh, true. But I saw that Aaron Ramsey said he's not going to leave in January. So, I
0: don't know yeah, what... The- look, that is, that, that, that is a... He can say that, or He and his agent can't say that. But look, at the end of the day, he is an Arsenal player. We own him. We own that, you know, Yeah, we pay his salary. So, if we decide, look, we're not going to... We're not for this. We're going to then look for you know, buyers, potential buyers no. So, because I, I honestly don't think he's going to, he might, or oh, his agent might try to think they are all the, the, the you know, the aces. But at the moment, I think it's going to come down to whether Arsenal need him, you know, and it's going to, we can now work his contract down. Or if we think, oh, you know, cut our losses, we're going to make 25, 35 million from this. And then invested immediately in somebody. Because, look, the new setup at Arsenal, awesome. I don't think they're going to muck about, really, if we do sell. You know? Yeah. They will. Do immediately. They'll probably have, like, two or three targets already lined up, thinking, okay, he leaves, this guy's going to step in. And uh, so far, from what, what I've heard, I don't think it's going to be a like-for-like like thing, because, look, we wanted to get the winger in the summer already. And that, that, that. Ismail Sa. that is actually one of the targets for us as a winger. Because, you know, just what you also mentioned earlier that was when we were talking about Xhaka and that we've got so many people that can play in that Ramsey role. You've got Ozil, you've got McHatarian that can play in the midfield if we need be. You've got even Jaka that can play in that role. So I think we, you we, know, we, it's like spoil for choice. So I don't think it, it will hurt us that bad. A lot of, even Ian Wright also said, you don't think it will hurt us that bad to, losing even though he you know he's he's truly valuable player truly valuable player I mean I would personally would want to keep him but I don't think it's a major loss if you know whether he stays or goes type of thing.
1: No that it's true because Pundit I think it was Rio Ferdinand or, or or one of them said it's like the Arsenal team with or without Aaron Ramsey at the moment. There's no big shock to the team without him and there's no massive change with him in the team.
0: Mm. Yeah, so I mean, I just hope now that you know we can get some sort of solution. I mean, if we can even squeeze out something and keep him, with shows like you know January yeah, we're gonna rather keep him on for another two, three years. Then fine, I'll be happy with it. But, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna. I need to rest my throat because I've been struggling the past week with bad problems with my throat. So I wanted to get this podcast out to the people at least listen to us.
1: Okay. I hope you that, that, that throat um, heals quite quickly because there's going to be a lot coming quick and fast.
0: Yeah. Okay, then. Take care. Okay. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week again. Bye. Cheers, guys. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.